0: Welcome back to our program, The New Resilient You. You've joined us at our final session. It's been a five-part series and this is our final session on how you can become a resilient person, how you can be that person who bounces back from life's challenges stronger than before, more tenacious than before, more bold than before, more grasping and holding onto the promises of God more than before. And so these sessions are about equipping you to be resilient because it's everything God has in store for you. It's how you can be more and more like Jesus. And so I want to pick up on the definition of resilience. So firstly, let's start with that. Resilience is your ability to bounce back or bounce forward from life's challenges and avoid becoming a victim to your emotions Or your circumstances. And as I keep saying, if you've just joined us today, make sure you go back and you listen to the other messages. But resilience is for you. Don't tune out if you think that you're just not a resilient person. If your temperament leans itself towards negativity or whatever it might be, resilience is for you. We were all created with the ability and a muscle that is there to be built as far as our resilience is concerned. Further than that, Romans 12, two is for all of us. Do not conform to this world. And so for you, as we journey through the next few moments, I wanna encourage you to just soak it all up and be prayerful as you listen and be knowing that you have a resilient future ahead of you. If you already are a resilient person, awesome, keep listening because maybe you might pick up a tip or two that you can pass on to somebody else. And so I love the quote from Peter Cesaro uh, from his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. And he says, emotional health and spiritual health are inseparable. It is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. And I really do believe in that. It is so true. You see, you and I, our goal as Christians is to develop and become more and more like Jesus. But if we're constantly down and out, if we're constantly defeated by everything that unfolds in our world, if we're constantly just fighting off uh, these, you know, uh, up and down emotions and these thinking patterns that are, negative and destructive. And if we're constantly looking in and self-focused because we need to be because I need to work on myself and get this mess sorted, then we can't possibly be like Jesus. Your mental health and your emotional health has everything to do with your ability to be like Jesus. And so... You should know by now that we've been covering some keys to resilience. We looked at your values and we looked at how our values determine our thinking patterns. We also looked at the truth that our thinking patterns determine how we feel. You see, what we think translates into our emotions and our emotions and how we feel then actually lead us to respond in certain ways, do certain things and behave in, uh, in you know, in a certain way, and often we create behavioural patterns even as a result of that. And so, whilst we've looked at the other keys in previous uh, messages today, I want to focus in on readjusting your behaviour. So. How do we do that? How do we readjust our behaviour? And you see, often when uh, we find ourselves in a predicament, when something's gone wrong or um, when we realise we've made a mess of something or sometimes it's got nothing to do with us but the mess almost comes to us, something outside of our control or as a result of someone else's decisions or choices affects us. And often the first point of call is, oh, what, what shall I do differently? And, and you know when people quiz us or if we're trying to be really diligent about how we can make things better, we seem to ask, what can I do thing, what can I do to make things different? And so I want to highlight at this point, and I want to draw your attention to the fact that this is the last of the keys that we have unpacked on resilience for a reason. It needs to be last. You see, when we ask this question right at the forefront, before we look at our values, then we're really just putting a band-aid over an issue and we're not really unpacking the root cause for what's happened and why has it happened. And so keep the order in mind when we look at changing our behaviours and doing things differently. It's the last point of call after we've worked out why we are here where we are. Yeah. And so let's Keep moving and before we um, have a look at how we can adjust our behavior and what are the options and what can you do and you know how to set yourself up for for uh, resilience and success in future and how to have some further control over the things that unfold in your world I want to have a look at some typical responses to challenges in life. We all have tif- typical responses and it'll be a really insightful exercise for you to actually. Tune in, think about the way that you respond and I dare say that you will notice that you have some patterns that you can identify. The typical responses are these. Firstly, we go into denial mode. We go, you know what? It's fine, it'll all be fine, God will fix it, tomorrow will be a better day. And we almost slip into this, it's happening but it's not happening And we go from day to day just going, wow, well, it's not quite fixed yet. What now? Denial mode. The other common response is swinging between extremes where we have days and moments where we're full of hope and full of drive and um, full of resolve. And we think, that's it. I'm going to sort this out. I'm going to get on top of this. This is not going to get on top of me. And then we realise it's harder than it sounds or we don't get the results that we were expecting. And so then we slip straight back into another extreme where we think, you know, maybe I just have to suck it up. Maybe this is just how it is. Maybe, you know, this is how God wants it. Whatever it is, we go between the extremes, the extremes of really wanting to make things different and really trying and the extremes of giving in. The other typical response is blame, where we either blame someone else, blame the circumstances, blame our luck, blame God. We blame. We look for things to pinpoint our problems on. We look to go, well, you know what? That's happening because he said, she said. That's happening because when I was younger, my parents, that's ha-. And we look to blame. Sometimes we self-blame as well. Blame is not a healthy response. Blame, if we are going to blame, let's call it identifying where things went wrong. And we learn from that. But when we sit in blame, we go nowhere. Resilient people don't sit in blame. And then finally, we have a committed response where we're committed to making things different. And I dare say that you're listening in today because you're committed to being that resilient person. You are committed to making things different. You are committed to learning some new skills and thinking some new ways. You are committed to progressing. And I want to tell you that resilient people are committed to a preferred future. a preferred future. You see, what can suck the life out of us sometimes is when we feel and we imagine or we convince ourselves or we just fail to critique the truth in the thought that says, you're out of control. You're just sitting in the back seat. You're out of control. But resilient people build up the habit of saying, no, you know what? I do have some control. Because my choices, my decisions every single day contribute to what tomorrow looks like. I do have some control because I have control to actually hear from God and implement what he might be suggesting. I have control to allow other people into my life to support me and embrace me and speak truth into me and pray for me. So there are areas of my life that I can control. And so resilient people never feed themselves the lie that they are out of control. Perhaps we might be out of control on the desired outcomes of a particular situation, but we're not out of control when it comes to our responses to what's unfolding. Even if it is huge, even if our kids are messing up, even if our partner is being a nightmare. <laughs> even if our finances are struggling, even if our health is on the line, while some components are out of our control, yet we do have control. Don't relinquish your control and don't talk yourself into that you're thrown in the backseat and what comes at you comes at you. That is a destructive thought. You see, resilient people reflect on the moment and in the the moment resilient people look at doing things differently by reflecting as a way of life and if you're not used to reflecting that might sound exhausting you'd be thinking what on who has all of that time who has that spare time to sit and reflect each day that is ridiculous but the reflection habit and the reflection muscle when it's built it just becomes default. It just becomes the way you do life. It becomes who you are. And so develop your ability to reflect. And I want to distinguish between the two phrases, reflecting on the moment and in the moment. So reflecting on the moment is basically uh, our ability to reflect on something that's in the past. It's happened and I'm reflecting on it reflecting in the moment is just that next step that next step that we develop when this becomes part of our life and part of how we go about life we reflect in the moment we develop the ability and the resilience muscle that stops in the moment and can actually think about what's happening right this minute it's possible to do that it's possible to have two dialogues going on and so Be that reflective person because resilient people are made of reflection skills. Ask yourself these three key questions. What's happening? Why is it happening? Why is it happening? And then what am I going to do differently? Now, the what am I going to do differently is going to be as a result of the input that you get, right? What's God saying? What are other godly people saying? What are the circumstances saying? What is my prior experience and my wits saying about this? What's the Holy Spirit whispering on the inside? And so I know that you want to be that resilient person, that you want to rise up when life throws those curveballs, that you want to be able to sense that negative emotion or that uncomfortable emotion or whatever it is, but you don't want to be a victim to that. You don't want to give in to that. And so practice reflecting practice reflecting. Decide on your preferred future and then look at ways that you can go there. One baby step at a time. Decide on your preferred future. What is it? What's God's plan for your life? What does your future look like? What do you want it to look like? What are the promises of God that you know lie ahead there for you? Claim them and take baby steps. Sometimes we get so discouraged because we try and embrace the whole thing, you know, and then when we don't get there, we end up just making a really impulsive, irrational decision to throw the baby out with the bathwater. But resilient people play the long game step by step. I want to pick up a story from Scripture, that beautifully unpacks the need for us to look at how we can do things differently. And so it's a story from Genesis. It's um, from chapter 25 and we pick it up at verse 25. Here goes. So bear with me. There's a a little bit to get through, but uh, we're Genesis 25 and verse 25. It says, Rebecca became pregnant with twins. The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. <laughs> How's being described in that way, hey? So they named him Isu. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Isu's heel. So he was named Jacob. So here we have this mum, Rebecca, married to Isaac, who gives birth to twin boys. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home amongst the tents. Now, we're told that the dad, Isaac, was, um, was an outdoor man. He was a hunter. And so he grew a real likeness and a favoritism towards his son who was like him. The other son was more like his mum. And so his mum grew a little bit of extra affection towards him. So they sort of had these favourites, but that's a story for another day. We read on, it says, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebecca loved Jacob. And then this crazy plot unfolds. Genesis 25 verse 25 we're still carrying on. Once when Jacob was cooking some stew, Isu came in from the open country famished. So the brothers are older now. One's cooking, one's just come in and he's starving to death. If you've got teenagers, you know exactly what that's like. He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. And his brother replies with the weirdest thing in the whole wide world, Jacob replied, sell me your birthright first what? So the brother responds with, that was a bit random. Look, I'm about to die, Esau said. What good is a birthright to me? So he's so hungry, he's not even thinking beyond this moment. But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew He ate and drank and then he got up and left. So it just sounds like this little exchange, but it wasn't this little exchange. One brother literally sold his birthright, being the firstborn, to the younger brother because he was told to. What a dumb kid. (laughs) We read on. We're now in Genesis 27. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak, so he had a, a vision impairment, if you like, that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son. The son replies, Here I am. Isaac said, I am now an old man and I don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give you my blessing before I die. So he's literally saying to him, go out, get some game and come back, cook it up and feed it to me because you know what, I think I'm on my deathbed and I want to give you my blessing before I die. Now, Rebecca, don't forget, she's got a favourite son and he's not the one who's in this conversation with his dad right now. And so her ears prick up and she says, Rebecca said to her son, Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. So she's probably whispering right now because what she's about to say, she needs to say really quietly so that it's not overheard. And she says to him, now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Little bossy boots, go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies wow wow so she's got this really manipulative plan going on where she wants him to go out hunt some game come back she's going to cook it she's going to scathe the fur off it She's then going to get her son to go and wear his brother's clothes that smell like a hunter's clothes do, to wear those. She's then going to get that fur, put it on his skin so that he can go to his dad while his other brother is out there hunting, go to his dad, pretend to be the wrong son and get the blessing spoken over him because the dad has a vision impairment at this point and he's only going to feel him and smell him wow, that is a manipulative plan. And he goes along with it. He does it. His dad, you know, he's a little bit, he's he's wondering a bit, but he goes with it and he believes them and he imparts the blessing. And the crazy thing is this, once that blessing is given, it cannot be revoked. And he gives the blessing. And then we pick up the scripture again from Genesis twenty-seven. Then Esau, the other brother, who's out there hunting, comes home. But Isaac, his dad, said to him when he presented him with the game and he wanted the blessing, his dad said, Oh my goodness, your brother has already come deceitfully and took your blessing. What a bombshell. Esau said, isn't he rightly named Jacob the deceiver? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. Because remember what he, what he did with this Jew. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, but dad, haven't you reserved any blessings for me? But the way that it worked was that blessing once given was given and couldn't be revoked. And then the scripture says, then Esau broke down and wept when he realized what had happened. But you know what? Don't feel too empathetic for this brother because have a look at what he does next. We're in Genesis 27 from verse 41. It says, Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. And he said to himself, the days of mourning for my father Aeneah Then I will kill my brother Jacob. So he has this revenge plan. He's like, I've got this worked out. He thinks he's two steps ahead of me. Well, you know what, buddy? I'm going to end your life. Then we'll see who's boss. Then we'll see who has the last word. And once again, we welcome Rebecca, the mother, to the scene. Just in case the mess she'd created back then was not huge enough, we welcome her to the scene and have a look at what she does next. When Rebecca was told that her older son, is- uh, when she was told what her older son, Isu, had said, she sent for her younger son, Jacob, her favourite, and she says to him, Hey, I overheard. Your brother is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say once again. Flee at once to my brother Laban's house in Haran and stay there with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. So she says... Go and live with my brother, Laban, so uh, his uncle. And when things calm down, when your brother's calm down, you know, when he's off his um, revenge game and when he's taken a breather and realised that he's just being stupid, I'll call back for you. And when your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back from there. Why should I lose both of you in one day? And then Rebecca says to her husband, so she's told her son to go and stay with Laban, but then she has to cover it up and she has to explain to her husband Isaac, well, why is he going? What's that all about? And So she comes up with another idea and she says to him, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life will not be worth living. So she comes up with this other deceitful plan and she tries to make it out that she's told her son to go and live with her brother Laban because she just doesn't want him staying here and marrying one of the local girls. She wants him to go over there and marry a woman of greater prestige. And that's what she tells her husband. So we have this situation where Rebecca is just going from one behavioural mess to another, where she's just not stopping at all and going, what is happening? Why is it happening? What part have I had to play in this? This is just going from one disaster to the next. She hasn't stopped to ask any of those questions. There's probably fiery emotions going on. There's probably crazy thoughts and thinking patterns going on because she's thinking, my poor son... My gosh, he's going to kill him and what if we get found out and what if, you know, what if, what if, what if all the hypotheticals are at play? So there's high emotions. There's also crazy, warped, mismatched, you know, cross-wired thinking patterns that are going on. And in all of that flurry, she doesn't stop to catch the thoughts watch the emotions and work out what to do differently. She's not reflecting at all. She's just replicating bad decision after bad decision. And do you know what the crazy thing is? When we do that, we create more mess from the mess. More mess from the mess. And in case you don't know, more mess does not lead to more resilience. More mess leads to more demolition to more destruction, to more unravelling, to more backtracking. But you see, Rebecca is not a fine example of reflecting and working out what to do differently. And so for you and I, how do we do things differently? How do we stop? How do we break the cycle? How do we break the curse? How do we? How do we make a difference. Because you see, when we are driven by unevaluated values, thinking and emotions, we replicate destructive behaviours and everything that ends up driving us is everything that shouldn't be that resilient person that gets back into the driver's seat, that owns the situation regardless of how far it's gone. Maybe you're listening today and you're thinking it's too far gone for me. You have no idea Susie the mess that I've made. You have no idea the mess that we're in. You have no idea the people that are around me. That's okay. Because tomorrow is a new day. His mercy is in you every morning. You have a redeeming God on your side. You have a Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You are a little Jesus. You can make things different regardless of how it's been till today. And I pray in the name of Jesus that today is a new day for you. That you do reflect and you do think and you do Take steps towards your preferred future, one decision at a time. You see, Rebecca thought that when all had calmed down, she was going to call her son home and it was going to be like, you know, your brother's calmed down. No one knew that I was behind all of that manipulation and it's all good for now. However, she didn't see her sons for up to two decades, we're told. Things didn't work out the way she'd intended, not at all. And so it was grief on grief on grief. And you know what? Jacob, he actually had conflict and grief with Laban over there where he was because when we don't deal with what's on the inside, when we don't deal with our values first when we don't address and reprogram our thinking, when we don't regulate our emotions and when we don't develop the back end, we take our mess with us everywhere we go. You could take that kid out of his hometown but you couldn't take who he was out of his patterns. And on and on he went, more heartache, more sorrow, more issues. And so for you today and for me today, I pray that we would be the people who dig our heels in, draw the line in the sand and say, I want to be resilient. I want to be like Jesus. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I don't care what the past looks like. I'm all about the preferred future. I'm stepping into the destiny that God has for my life in Jesus' name. Be encouraged. Be blessed and go back and listen to these messages again and let them sink into your soul and make you the person that you want to be and that Jesus created you to be. Amen.